Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello again, Evertonians, and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, and this time the wonder returns. Mark Mack back on the couch. Yeah, I bet you thought you'd all got rid of me for good. Um, I missed last week. My apologies, but uh, John, I thought Johnny done a stealing job on his own, which isn't an easy job. It was hard. It was really hard talking to nobody apart from a little microphone for a full hour. Plus you'd have to do it about the Arsenal game, which was never going to be oh, a happy podcast, was it? You stitched me up there. You just couldn't face it, could you? I couldn't face the cop so I got in the car and I drove to Cornwall. Which I found out is also full of coffee, so it didn't really help. Yeah, not surprising, really. That's they're probably the more local ones, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. Uh, Cornish pasties are nice, though. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, another packed show. We've got a, a look ahead to the Swansea game coming up. All the news of the week, social media section. And first of all, we're going to start like we always do, having a look back at the uh, Cardiff game. And it's fair to say it's going to be a little bit easier doing this one. Than looking back at the Arsenal game. Yeah, I've had a very Welsh week this week. It started off when we played Cardiff. We're going to play Swansea next week. And I went to sunny Land Dudno yesterday. I've been a man, I've been a man of many travels recently. Jet setter. There you go, yeah. Cornwall, Land Dudno. It's hardly Monaco and Dubai, is it? Uh, no, not really, no. Um, so, um, we, we made our, uh, our own travelling way, as we normally do. And uh, as is accustomed... Uh, as is custom, custom. Has we become accustomed to? Yeah, that's the one. Um, or as is customary. Yeah. As is as is our weekly custom. We we habit. need to just use normal words yeah. instead of trying to show off. Um, trying to get some kind of signal around uh, team time at two o'clock on a uh, on a Saturday or whatever time an hour before kick off. And then you know that it's an hour before kickoff because everybody's signal just dies and you can't get the team news. But we managed to. And um, when we got the team news on Saturday, it was quite a quite a bright team selection, wasn't it, from Bobby? Yeah, it was. I think uh, he basically picked a team that a lot of people have been have been waiting for, and that was a team that featured Morales and Delafeu right from the start. I think there was one missing though that that was then. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have liked to see Barkley in the middle of those three, but uh, he went with Leon Osman again, uh, the cacker up front. Pina picked up a knock. Yeah, I believe is it a thigh strain? I believe. I think so, uh, and I, I think it, it was possibly uh, a lucky one because I think he might have been dropped anyway. Yeah, so do I. What I was surprised at the start of this game is I was I was surprised that you know McGeady didn't come into the team really uh, when I saw that he was starting with both Morales and Delafeu. Uh, you know. I'm not one of these people who think they should both play. I know there are a lot of Evertonians out there who do, but I think they're very much. I think the far two alike to play both of them. Uh, so, but he went with it, um, and I don't particularly think it was a great success. Uh, it was it was a very tricky one, and I'm not. I put out on our Facebook. I'm not sure how it came off on telly or whatever. But uh, as we'll talk about it a little bit more, it was a frustrating one for for us to see on the sidelines the the, the, the way the two of them interacted with well with the rest of the team or not. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to the two of them, Swansea, I mean, Cardiff even, see, I'm getting mixed up now, too, too, too many Welsh teams going on in this podcast. Uh, Cardiff did line up in, in a negative way from the start of the game and went 5-4, which is something you don't really see very often, is it? 
uh, you know, a lot of men behind the ball, uh, trying to catch us on the counter attack. Yeah. It was the story of the first half, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And where does Fabio play? Well, I always thought he was a full-back, either left or right. Now, I think he prefers to play right-back, but he had quite often played left-back because of Raphael. And I'm, but the other day, it, he seemed to be playing up front most of the game. It was yeah, bizarre, wasn't it? Was it was like on the uh, left-forward position, not just like left-midfield, like left-forward. Like he, he was the one closing down Tim Howard a lot of the time. It's funny seeing him in that position. I think Sogshar's just realised that he's a terrible defender and is trying to find a new position for him, maybe. Speaking about that, this is um, <laughs> when, uh, when we were getting our, uh, our brekkie in the, in the little brick, having a look through the papers, and it's, uh, it's come out that Solskjaer and Bobby M were best mates when Solskjaer was at Man U and Bobby M was at Wigan. They'd get together and play uh, footy manager or champ manager or, or both of them. Well, um, chap manager as we know it, but it's now football manager, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and apparently Solskjaer always got the better of him. I thought it was the other way around. Did no, he never apparently lost? Apparently it was uh, the, other way, the other way around. Solskjaer was the winner all the time. Is that because he, did he go and Google all the little wonder kids first and, and get Cherno Samba? I knew you used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a nice little touch coming out. But uh, who was going to come out on top on, uh, on Saturday? Well, that's what counts, isn't it? Uh, and as we know now, or any most people listening to this podcast are now, Everton came away with the three points. Uh, and as we said, the first half really was, was, you know, the age-old story of this season, wasn't it? Where Everton dominate the possession, don't particularly carve out many great chances, and, you know, we looked a little bit vulnerable to the counter-attack every now and then. Yeah, not so many good chances, but there were a good few efforts... If, if if you get you know meaning in between a difference you know no we tested their keeper a couple of times he looked outstanding yeah he did I mean Marshall was I think you mentioned this on you know he was by far in a way the, the man of the match on the day and without him in goal Everton probably would have been comfortable winners yeah as early as the third minute uh, Morales as an effort which he he tipped around the post pretty well uh, yeah Morales had another couple of opportunities where he ran into the box but he just he didn't pull the trigger either with a pass he, it's like he cut in dummy cut in and eventually he cut in so far he was on the other wing without having achieved anything and he did that a few times didn't he yeah I heard a lot of people grumbling you know about about Morales and about Delafeu and a lot of people seem to think that Morales was had a, a poorer game than Delafeu did but I thought Morales in the first half did look quite bright, as in he got the ball, he got a couple of shots off. Okay, nothing great. I think he tested the keeper once, didn't he? With a shot that possibly may have been rising over the bar. Um, but, you know, I thought he, he looked up for it in the first half. But as you say, and it's what I've been saying for a long time now, he just disappoints me with end product. He really does. Uh, as well as the effort from Morales, uh Marshall made a, a good save from Delafeu, who had a nice little bit of a solo run, uh, cut inside, and left foot. If he had a little bit more power, he, he might have he, he might have beat the keeper, but it was a good save anyway. He was going to the bottom corner. Um, there was another little bit of an incident where Delafeu had the ball, and it looked like Carla clipped him, but uh, there wasn't too many appeals. Let's just, uh, again, 
we can say other clubs might have got that. They got a penalty. Uh, Lukaku had one good run. He picked the ball up just inside the Cardiff half and then just had a good burst of pace and really, uh, really well-struck shot and uh, Marshall knocked it over again. So he, he made at least three like really top-quality saves, didn't he? But we, as you say, we couldn't get the breakthrough. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it, it was a bit of a, you know, a half that had very few points to talk about, really, wasn't it? When, when you're trying to think back, uh, it wasn't the greatest of apps. Um, and it ended up 0 0 going into half time. From Carver's point of view, the, well, they had one chance which was a little bit of a, a, a ricochet which fell too kindly to uh, Fraser Campbell's feet. And Howard did well to come out and save it. Yeah, I mean. Gladys, so. And other, really? other than that, yeah, very little for us to talk about really and it was one of those where we were sort of scratching our heads at half time and thinking, I don't really see how this is going to play out any differently in the second half. I, I think we were starting to get, you know, maybe question our confidence going into the game a little bit. Um, but as the second half started, um, there was no changes for Everton at half time uh, and it sort of started off pretty much the same as it did going into half time, would you say? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much the same again. Um, we, there was no atmosphere again. No, it was. The, first half, wasn't the crowd it? were very quiet, and as, you know, the second half began and started to get, you know, five, ten minutes into it, the crowds were. It, the only noise that was coming from the crowd was, was restlessness. Uh, and there was a lot of people, myself included, who were thinking that we had to take Delafeu off because he was being very wasteful in possession. Uh, he, he just suddenly seems to have lost that ability to beat a man. He doesn't seem to be getting past anyone at the moment, he does he? Very, very hit and miss with it, um, with a dribbling. More miss than hit, unfortunately. But um, just when it looked like uh, we were making a change, he must have uh, sensed. Uh, he must have sensed the, uh, the, the, the the rustling on the on the bench and the. Uh, yeah, we could all see McGeady getting ready to come yeah. on, um, and I turned to the lad who was sat next to me and said, "We've got to get Delafeu off. We've got to get him off. He's been awful." And to the very second I said that, suddenly Delafeu burst into the box, uh, and it's one 0 to Everton. But the, the little burst of pace and the little knock away from Adele was a touch of class, wasn't it? And it was, it was, to be fair to the lad. The finish wasn't particularly no, classy. It, it was a funny one, wasn't it? Because I, I thought, I, was, I think we all thought it was, it was down our ends. It was a little bit of a cluster of bodies in the box. And we were thinking, how oh, was he squeezed that in there? You know, the way Marshall was playing. And then when we saw the replay on the big screen, it you know, became very evident. It took a big deflection and sent Marshall the wrong way. Uh, but Jerry still celebrated like it was a World Cup winner. Well, that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? But on the performance that Marshall was given, it it was going to take something like that to beat him, wasn't it? Yeah. And it actually took two things like that in the end to beat him uh, to win the game for Evan. Uh, the second one probably slightly more lucky than Delafayus. But yeah, as you say, Delafayus was a was a deflection, uh, and and yeah, he he gave it the old uh, little gun salute that he likes to do for the celebration and, and party like it was 1999. So that was um, that was just before the hour mark and then just after the hour mark he, was, uh, he found himself uh, on the end of a, a substitution. Yeah, it was pretty much the next kick of the game, wasn't it? Was it before we even kicked off again? 
Well, did we kick off no, and then it went off. into touch? There was a couple of minutes. Oh, was there? In I thought it was straight away, but then uh, and then McGeady came on. Yeah, and Delafeu looked pretty disappointed, and we'll talk about that in a sec because uh, not shortly after, uh, Morales found his, uh, his number up as well, and he was off for Naismith. Yeah, so a little bit of a change of shape. Um, you know, what I will say from the two substitutions, we've been saying for weeks now that we don't think any of the substitutions we've made in games have improved us. I thought the instruction of McGeady on Saturday improved us greatly. I thought he looked really bright when he came on. I thought it was the most uh, promising he's looked in an Everton shirt so far. He looked up for the game, he looked fit, he looked quick. Um, and I think he's done his, his, his case for the starting place in the team a world of good. He can whip a ball in. He can put a cross in the lad, I'll give yeah. him that. Not not like just to whip a ball in across the six yard box and you know, nobody get on the end of it. You know, a good bit of height. I like a proper old fashioned cross. Yeah, a good cross. The type of cross there, Duncan Ferguson would have loved to get yeah. his head on. Yeah, definitely. Um what I will say is he's still not again, he doesn't look like he can beat men for fun at the moment. Um but what he does look like is that he he's he started just being able to get that little half a yard again just to get the ball over. But that that um, that trio of uh, Irish uh, players on, on the right hand side, you know, if he's if he's over on the right, you've got uh, you've got Coleman behind him or the side of him or in front of him, as often the case is. And it seems like out of the two central central holding midfielders, McCarthy's the more right hand side out of them. It could be a good little trio, that couldn't it? Yeah, it could, and I don't think it it was any surprise that once McGeady came on, I think Coleman came into the game a bit more. Yeah. Because I think, obviously, they know each other, they can trust each other. I think Coleman's probably got a little bit more faith in having McGeady in front of him than Delafeu, for instance. So, you know, it it did seem to, to work a little bit better. Uh, however, it didn't stop us from conceding an equaliser. No, ten minutes after we went in front, um, pretty needless free kick. Arguably, wasn't even a free kick. Just outside the, uh, just outside our box, just to the left hand side, uh, as Cardiff were looking on. They'd not long, they'd not long um, brought Whittingham on, and I thought you know um, he is a real danger. He, I think he's got the most assists out of anyone in the league. Most of them come from corners, though, because his corner taken is is probably one of the best in the league, as we mentioned before. I think. Yeah. Did you think it was a free kick, though? It was a soft one. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't. It was a, uh, a Coleman who was a judge to have fouled, and um, so up steps Whittingham anyway, whips a dangerous ball in, and it, it hit Caller, Lam Caller, on his knee, bounced up onto his hand. And wrong-footed Tim Howard, and you know puts them uh, back on level terms. It did, yeah. And it, you know, we'll come to. I think you mentioned yesterday. You know, after this game, I'll, there's been certain areas of the media who've been saying Everton were very lucky to win the game. Um, but then you look at the Cardiff goal, and that's not been mentioned, has it? That you know there was a handball in there. It was a soft free kick. That was quite a fortunate goal, really. I'm not saying it shouldn't have counted because. You have to take that on the chin, don't you, sometimes? Well, it shouldn't. No, I'm, I'm going to say it shouldn't have counted the winning of his hand. It's handball. Well, the, the, referee, the referee's given the free kick and the referee hasn't given the handball. So. Chelsea had a goal disallowed for a, a, a less obvious handball than that. Um, True. 
But the referee saw that one. Raphael got a penalty against him, against the Shite. For an absolutely blatant handball. I don't know where, what your argument is here. He should have got sent off for that, by the way, and he didn't. Um, but, yeah, I know what you're saying. But, yeah, their goal stood, fortunate as it was. Uh, and it was 1-1. And, again, we were starting to doubt uh, our ability to, to get three points from the game, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, we really started to kind of chase chase the game. But I don't think we were as, as direct as we could have been. I don't, mean, I don't mean long ball by that, but we still didn't seem to create enough chances. It was just more efforts again. Uh, uh, eventually, uh, Osman, who, who had been booked, uh, went off in place for Barkley in the 82nd minute. I think uh, a lot of Blues would have liked that a little bit earlier. Again, uh, no, he didn't do too much, did he, to impress when he came on? I thought there was nothing... You know, the, it, I don't think he, he, he changed the way we played in any way. Um, you know... I, I, don't, I just don't know what's going on with his form at the moment. I really don't. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to say, you know, Osman shit. Osman didn't do anything, and you know, and Barkley should play. But you know, on that, on his form, because he's what fifteen years younger than, or what thirteen years younger than, uh, and he's going to be a bright young thing for many years to come. And he, he could be. He's got you know all this talent. It, it doesn't make him. Uh, you know, it, it's obvious it, that Everton fans would like to see him with Paul Osmond, but it doesn't make him automatically a better choice in that position. No, but I do think at some point at this season, and I think it probably should have been last Saturday, um, I think Martinez has just got to say, I am now going with Barkley. He's got to start playing, starting him in games again and, and, you know, give him a sort of guaranteed starting place. Because it's the only way the lad's going to get his form back, I think, and you know, we, I think he needs that confidence boost. I've just noticed on the on the uh, Sky Sports uh, recap, um, Barkley came on for Barkley apparently. Really? Yeah, in the 82nd minute. Interesting substitution. Um, yeah, so y- you know, ticking right down to the end of the game, it's still one-one, and we're starting to think that we've dropped a couple of points, um, and then came. Well, just be- just before just before you get to that. Um, they brought Zahar on, who who was my Mark Max one to watch last week. Was he? Yeah. So he got he got four minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we seem to we seem to do that between us, don't we? Highlight someone to uh, and he never play and they come on for like and get about a minute. We'll have to remember that in the future when we play Man United, pick Rooney or somebody. Uh, but I mean, while we're on that subject, I did a little. I put a man to watch out on the Facebook page the night before the game, and and I, my choice was Stephen Corker. Um, I should have picked the keeper. That was I was thinking about picking Marshall, and I went with Corker instead because I thought I had a feeling he might score in this game. Um, but I thought Corker played very well as well as Marshall. Zahardo, um, Zahardo, very very nearly give uh, Cardiff uh, an opportunity to get the lead where he, he kind of got his way, jinked his way past a couple of players, and um, I don't know whether it's because he lost possession of the ball and there was a covering defender or what. But Distan seemed to catch him, and he could have had a penalty. I think it was a penalty, you know. I've seen it, and I think it was a penalty. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a very, very close call. But you know, they, they got the free kick when he shouldn't have done so. Shut up. So there you go. <laughs> so that's the way it works. Um, and then up stepped a man who saved us a number of times this season. Um, the highest scoring defender in the Premier League uh, added 
another world class finish to his repertoire. Right, just right in the top corner. Right in the top, you couldn't get more in the top corner. Unfortunately, it wasn't the top corner he was aiming for. Um, Seamus Colvin uh, scored a what can only be described as a slice scuffer. Yeah, so first, initially it was a good, a good bit of wing play from McGeady, who uh, made, made a yard of space and really whipped in a, that dangerous cross. And then excellent work by Gareth Barry, who got his head on it and knocked it back straight into the path of an onrushing uh, Seamus Coleman, or a waiting Seamus Coleman, who was uh, perfectly placed to hit you know, an unstoppable thunderbolt of a volley, which he stepped up to do and uh, must have taken his eye off the ball a little bit <laughs> I must say when I was playing football on Sunday um, I before the game started I was messing about I was getting someone to pass the ball into me and I was pretend, I was purposefully trying to slice it into the top corner yeah, like that yeah. yeah no I was I was purposely t- and it is so hard to do so it's actually a great finish because it's a very hard skill to master. No, we've, we've seen we've seen uh, how how well Marshall was playing. You know, we've seen how many players uh, Cardiff had in the six yard box around the ball. So the argument was, if he'd have actually hit that how he wanted to, Marshall was about a yard away from him. It, it, it probably would have hit him point blank range, and he would have saved it, wouldn't he? He would. And then much to uh, Garth Crooks' dismay, uh, Seamus. Began celebrating like uh, he just won the league, didn't he? Like only Seamus can. <laughs> Where he just uh, he just ran off as fast as he could. First of first towards to, towards he where came the towards the Gladys first, before, didn't he? Towards the family where the family enclosure meets the Gladys Street, or off to whilst that corner, like and that, and then it was like which way now, which way now, and then started running off and going. I don't even know what <laughs> he just didn't know what to do. It's like and that you know I love seeing that kind of. That kind of emotion, and that, that's what a goal should be like. None of this well, Garth Crooks doesn't. Garth Crooks thinks no. that Seamus Coleman should be ashamed of himself for celebrating a goal that went in after he miskicked it. This, uh, was, was this, this on the BBC website or the BBC app or something? It, it was on BBC Sport, yeah, BBC News. You've got to be in it to win it, haven't you? He's got there, he's got himself into the box from the right back position. You know, he's been in the right place at the right time, and he's hit a shot. Okay, but how many shots going as? 100% truly. It's stupid, that. You know, I, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to do a quirky little bit of match reports. And, but it's just, I think it's a bit of a discredit to Coleman. The lad just scored an injury time winner. I, imagine what the Evertonians would think if he didn't celebrate it, if he just walked off with a gob on him. Yeah, so I, I, I put on our Facebook as well before about uh, that celebration. You just love seeing a celebration like that so much more than some tip doing the teapot dance. Definitely, definitely. You know, imagine that, the 93rd or 94th minute, he's just scored that winner. And, you know, in such a, a game where everyone was so tense, and then some knobheads just celebrated by doing a little teapot dance. And he wouldn't even do the teapot dance in front of his own fans, would he? Go to the away fans yeah. and do it in front of them. Uh, what I will say about Shane Coleman's goal, as much as we're sort of, you know, having a little bit of a laugh at the finish, um, Gareth Barry did brilliantly. And yeah, sometimes, you know, you wish goals could be credited to people other than the goal scorers. I find that, you know, when, like, someone's done brilliantly to set somebody up and just knock the ball, before players knock the ball across and someone's tapped it in. Uh, and I would uh, like that goal to be credited to Gareth Barry for his, the work he did in the build-up. 
Yeah, uh, he, he just it was just an excellent little knockdown, great awareness, and the ball was like what you know just inside the uh, the, the touchline, and he did great, just great to just knock it right into Coleman's path to set him up, and um, so we go two one up, the place goes mad, and uh, I think that might have done my backing. Yeah, I am sitting here with a very injury strewn Johnny today. Uh, he's got a bad back, bless him. Uh, and he thinks he got that from the game. Um, but, yeah, as we say, it, there was only a couple of minutes left to play after Coleman's winner. Uh, and we sort of did well wearing the clock down. Card came and had a little bit of a go, didn't he? But nothing really for us to be majorly worried about. Uh, and we sorted out to the full-time whistle and another three points. Yeah, so it was, I think it was the 93rd minute that he scored, wasn't it? And it was 94 and a half minutes played. Yeah, so, so it's, um, if you're ever gonna if you're ever gonna celebrate a winner, that's the time to do it. And uh, just what an important win it was after the uh, after the debacle at Arsenal. That was almost poetry. Nearly or, a rhyme. Almost. Um, it was just important, like like we said so often this season, just to like to bounce back with any kind of win, and it was one of those any kind of wins, wasn't it? Because it I wasn't th- free flowing really. I think it's very important at the moment to just trying to keep some momentum going, otherwise the season could just fizzle out and die, couldn't it, along with a lot of people's interest. So, you know, by by getting these wins and then, see, you know, results actually, as much as probably on paper we didn't like the results of the weekend, it actually went very well for us, didn't it? Yeah. The shite beat United, you know, destroyed United 3-0. Um, and that's, you know, that was it. A big favour for us, really. It was a big favour, as it much realist- as we don't want to see them. Realistically, it was a favour. And plus, it's it's a bit of a soul-destroying defeat for United, isn't it? Yeah. it more, as well as, you know, them dropping points. Uh, and then, obviously, Arsenal will beat Tottenham as well, which is all, you know, Tottenham at the minute are struggling to win, aren't they? So, there still is something to play for there. You know, I still want to finish fifth rather than seventh. So, you know... It's ticking over. Unfortunately, um, with that that Arsenal thing, that Arsenal win, you know, there was still an outside kind of hope that maybe Arsenal were in free fall, and maybe if there was a draw, then we might have been able to be within touching distance. I think Arsenal, Arsenal have picked that up because it's been a derby. I still don't think Arsenal are playing well, uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that. surprised if they still drop points. Towards. Well, I don't think we will know, but you, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, Performance-wise, on an individual basis, um, it's the same names popping up again, isn't it? I thought, you know, McCarthy and Barry again in the centre of the park both played well. I thought John Stones again played very well. Stones played well. He made one mistake, which he recovered very well for, um, uh, from, uh, as you said, Gareth Barry and uh, McCarthy. Barry, who uh, was on the wrong end of a a really shocking challenge as well, which... uh, Theophile, uh, Cardiff centre-back, was lucky not to receive. Theophile? Isn't that what Arsene Wenger is? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, we're getting into libel grounds there, aren't we? Uh, Yeah, it is Theophile, yeah. And he uh, he could have been sent off, and he made Barry a doubt for next week, didn't he? Yeah, I think it's just going to be a bit of a heavy knock, and he's possibly going to be fit. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, for me it was out of Barry and McCarthy again. Uh, and I think I'm probably just edging towards James McCarthy again. Although Barry did do very well for the goal. I mean, also Coleman. Coleman had a decent enough game, especially when McGeady came on. McGeady played well, had a good impact. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was it was an all right performance. 
Yeah, it was. It was. Just, it was just a little bit frustrating, wasn't it? The way we started out so with such an attacking team on paper, um, you know, there was a little bit more kind of directness with a little bit of dribbling and running, but it wasn't always successful. Two things I learned from this game. Go Number on. one, Cardiff got the best away fans in the league, other than Everton. Yeah, they were great. Um, I thought they were the best fans I've seen at Goodison this year. They were loud. They were, you know, they, they were. They were coming up with some amusing chants. They were they were self depreciating at times. You know that's everything you want in away fans. Um, you know a lot of the time they were chanting about you know we're we're still blue or something. We'll always be blue. Yeah. You know after they've had the kits changed and, and and directing things. If Vincent Tanner, I think, was in attendance at the ground. Nice little touch that wasn't it when they were singing "We'll always be blue" when the Everton fans started giving away. And the Everton Evertonians applauded them. Yeah. Um, but you know. You know, I sympathise with them on things like that. I really do because I know how much I'd, I know exactly what I'd feel about it if they tried to change Everton to to red. So, uh, you know, great set of supporters to bring that many up because it's a hefty trip, isn't it? At a time where you know they're fighting for their lives, aren't they? But you know, a lot of other teams, the likes of Fulham, who were fighting for their lives, you know, wouldn't be bringing away I think fans you up find like that. that from teams who've just come up, don't you? And it's. You do, but not always. It's but you know, I, I mean, the, 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 about the, the good chance, the good humour chance, because you know, this is like every game for them is like a, party time for yeah, them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, I you know, with support like that, I hope they stay up. I, I'd, I'd much rather see the Fulhams and like the Sunderlands of this world go down, whose fans on a lot of occasions can't be asked. Um, so, uh, and the second thing I learned from this game is we need to buy David Marshall to play and goal for us. Well, he's uh, he definitely would be a better option than uh, our backup goalie at the moment. I think he, I think he's possibly a better keeper than Tim Howard. Um, I do like both Marshall and Corker. I thought, as I say, thought Corker played very well. I think Corker could be a very good long-term replacement for Sylvan Distan. Um, if Cardiff do get relegated this season, I would really like to take a good hard look at both of them. I think the only thing there is. I think we've got. I think Jags is still going to have four or five years, possibly, and uh, maybe once once Stones fills out. But you need three. You, you know, you need three decent centre half. So you know, I think he could. He'd be a very good addition to the squad. The price might be a bit of a stumbling block because I think didn't he go to them for ten million or twelve million from Spurs? Was it that much? Yeah, it? it was quite a hefty fee. I think so. Um, but you know, yeah, Marshall was outstanding. Uh, as we've said, and was easily my man of the match overall. Um, and Cork played very well. And, you know, I think both of them could uh, be good additions to our squad. So, three points and all around a, a decent day. Yeah, three points, uh, back up to sixth. Uh, the way the weekend kind of ended, uh, was sixth behind Tottenham. A couple of games in hand now. Yeah, they played 30 with a minus one goal difference on 53 points. We've only played 28 with a plus 12 and 51 points and United uh, played a game more than us as well three points behind us on plus 12 as well so the race for fifth is there at the minute isn't it and you know let's hope we can we can push on with some other winnable games over the next couple of weeks did you see the stats between uh, that Moyes this season I did see this yeah. season for United uh, this season for United bizarre isn't it he's got he's got exactly the same amount of points as he has Exactly uh, the same amount of goals scored. Um, no, I think just 
Oh yeah, and just one less conceded than yeah. he had at Everton last season. Bizarre, absolutely bizarre. So those people who were saying uh, Martinez, he's he's not doing as well as Moyes did for us last season. He actually is. Well, he is. But the most surprising thing is, you know, you look at how much how far and away United were the best team in the league last season, and you look at how that same squad of players now, with you know, with basically with the addition of Mate and Fellaini, who were two of the top players in the league last season, are doing so, you know, poorly compared to last season now. You know, they're only on a comparison with Everton's performance last season. Bizarre. Mad. Okay, so that's the Cardiff game wrapped up. And we'll be back in a sec with all the Everton news of the week. Varying bits of news this week. All the usual uh, ridiculous transfer speculation, which I neither here nor there are they. It's, it's been quite a busy news week, but nothing really massively substantial. It's all bitty bits. Yeah, bitty bits. Uh, probably the main news of this week has come out over the last uh, 24 hours that uh, Roberto was looking to give um, new contracts to our... Uh, to gold, four players. Our golden generation, wasn't it? Golden generation? Golden generation. Well, I suppose you could call them that. Um, but uh, probably, you know, Everton's four best young players, would you say? Yeah. Uh, three of them, I think, are, you know, very deserved. And one of them I find a bit strange. Which one do you find strange? James McCarthy. Yeah. Why does he need a new contract seven months after signing his first contract? Well, I think the, the impact... He's made must uh, must have surpassed expectations. So, did we get him on a cheap contract to begin with? Or, I mean, surely when he signed for us for the um, the fee, he was probably put on uh, you know decent wages. I would have thought probably thirty, forty thousand a week, maybe. Um, and I would have thought it was quite a long term contract as well, due to his age. I don't see why we're doing a new deal for him this soon. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. If it's you know just a case of We'll give you five grand extra a week and you sign for two extra years. Fair play, the lad deserves it for his performances. Um, but I just think it's a bit, yeah, it just seems a bit, time, yeah. it does seem a bit strange. The other three, however, you know, uh, John Stones obviously is probably on a youth team contract at the moment and has clearly shown how much of a good player he's going to be. Um, so I understand that one completely. Uh, we've got uh, Seamus Coleman, yeah. who obviously. We need to get tied up to fend off interest from other clubs. Uh, and the other one was... Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley, who obviously we've talked about before, who we thought probably would have signed a new contract by now, around about the same time as Baines he signed his. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, Barkley's, Barkley's been linked with a move to Man U again this week, and Arsenal and Chelsea. Uh, he is going to be linked every week. Uh, so... Get that. I mean, even if he does sign a contract, that speculation isn't going to go away, is it? I've got to think the clubs have looked at his form over the last couple of months and have probably been put off spending the big money it would take. They'll probably wait to see what he does in the World Cup, which is, I can tell you now, will be to make maybe one eight-minute substitute appearance. Because you know what Roy Hodgson's like, he just play Liverpool players all the time. Uh, and then... You know, it'll it's be a case of they'll wait to see what he does next season. I think, considering the way they sacked him off and uh, the lack of respect, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't even get like uh, you know hospitality or anything when he goes there as England manager. 
and uh, he's still sucking up to them. Yeah, he, he, he's going to leave the underhanded tactics to them, isn't he, rather than, than play them silly games himself. Anyway, we digress. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all positive, isn't it? That's what you want to see. You want to see players tied up to contracts. Um, and if at the very least, you know, it at least puts players' fees up if we do have to sell someone. This, uh, speaking, about, speaking about that, um, Coleman, apparently, according to the Daily Mirror, uh, is in advanced talks with F- uh, Man U over a £15 million move. What does advanced talks mean? Well, advanced talks to me suggests that clubs have agreed a fee and they're, getting to- they're talking about wages. Clubs agreed a fee? Well, I would say wages probably get signed out in basic talks. I would say advanced talks is probably more, you know, let's, oh, yeah, let's yeah. find out what you're going to give me as a club car or a club incentive or what shirt number I'm going to wear. And um, do I get any image rights and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's advanced talks, yeah. Do I get the right of having my face superimposed on a leprechaun for St. Patrick's Day in a slightly racial slayer? Yeah, which is what you posted on our webpage the other day. Everyone else was doing it. <laughs> um, it's a load of crap, isn't it? I think if he'd had bullshit. if we'd had any talks at all with Man United so far, we'd know about it. And let's, you can always tell these stories because they have no quotes from anybody anywhere. Yeah, or it, the they put a quote like it has been quoted. It has been quoted uh, by who? Yeah, exactly. So. 15 million, behave, and the rest. So, uh, they're the best, best full-back pairing in the world. In the world? They are. Well, who's better as a pairing? Um, at the moment. Just in general, this season. Maybe maybe not at the moment, because he's still coming back to get his best form, and Baines uh, still hasn't reached the, his best form as well. But... This season I'd say they're probably the 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 best fullback pairing, Bainsey and Coleman, in the Premier League. Um, in the world, mm, I don't know. Some might argue for say maybe Jordi Alba and uh, Danny Alves, but okay. I probably okay. w- I well I probably wouldn't agree with that. Um, I tell you an interesting debate I've been having in work this week, and it's who's the best right back in the Premier League. Now, I and a couple of other Evertonians have said. Seamus Coleman, obviously, uh, and everyone. Uh, the only other player anyone can come up with is Zabaleta. Zabaleta, yeah, or you know, uh, Ivanovic when he plays right back. Mm, no, I don't agree with. It. I don't think. No, yeah, I think Ivanovic is a utility right back moved over from centre back, isn't he? I don't think he gives you that presence going forward. Um, but then you look at who's the best left back in the league, and there isn't really any competition for Bainsey, is there? You've got Shaw, who's had a great season. Yeah, he's, he's an, 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 an up-and-comer. Well, Ashley Cole doesn't get a game, so you'd have a look who, who the left-back is for the, the top two teams in the country, City and Chelsea. Chelsea have got Aspilicueta. He hasn't exactly set the world on fire. And then City can't really decide on the left-back, can he, between Kolarov or Cliché? So, you know, Bainsey's probably out there on his own. Uh, and then Coleman's one of the two best right backs in the country, so you can't really argue with the fact that they are the best, best full back partnership. Yeah, so uh, as that started, it's not happened. No 15 million move to Man U. A uh, couple of uh, targets that have been established for the Blues this week. Maybe uh, Sergio Garcia. Know anything about him? Um, good golfer. 
Yeah. Um, played in the Ryder Cup a few times. Now, what I do know about him is he's centre forward who plays for Espanyol. I think he's 30. Um, he's got 10 goals this season, which doesn't sound massively impressive. However, when you look at the fact that Espanyol have only scored 30 this season, he's scored a third of all their goals. Uh, he's a decent player, apparently. And Espanyol won him off the wage bill. They've offered him a pay cut for next season, which he's not happy about. So he is available. He is af- actively looking for a move. Uh, and apparently Roberto's quite high on him. So, you know, we're crying out for strikers. Is, is it this one of those cases where, because we've got a Spanish manager, we're going to be linked with every Spanish uh, like utility kind of player or... Anyone who comes available from Spain? Probably, but it does tend to happen, doesn't it? Because they know their own markets. I mean, you look at, for instance, Julier when he went to the Shite and, you know, he bought a load of French players and then he got Benitez and he bought a load of Spanish players. Yeah. And when we had, I don't know, when we had Walter Smith, we got a few Scottish players and when we had Howard Kendall, we got a few drunk players. Uh, You know, it it does, doesn't it? You, You tend to... You say that though, but is that his market? His well, market, he, his market is no. He's been know. in this country for a long, long time, hasn't he? So, it's just, I, I think it's just I think we are getting linked with a lot of Spanish players who probably, you know, we're not interested in. But how, how many, how many uh, um, Everton linked with Barca wonder kid stories? Uh, you know, it's been it's been at least a handful. Yeah, but I think there is something to that, isn't it? Because we have got this sort of supposed working relationship with Barcelona now. Yeah, it could just be lazy journalism, though. Oh, well, so. it is. All journalists are innately lazy take us, for example. Yeah. I know we're not journalists. We're just idiots to talk about football, but we're pretty lazy, aren't we? we you know, yeah, this Turkish, we don't actually make things up. We just reiterate what other people have made up. This Turkish Zavi. The Turkish Zavi. Uh, who we've been linked with. I, I couldn't even find out what his actual name is because the link wouldn't work. Exactly. Yeah, we've been linked with the Turkish Zavi to go along with our... Uh, Scottish Messi and uh, Irish Messi, Irish Messi, <laughs> yeah. No, the Albino Pele. I prefer that one for yeah. Nick Smith. Right, Albino Pele. Right, okay, yeah, I love that. Uh, we have been linked again. <laughs> this, this is a ridiculous link. This one with Batshuayi, even dis- even like despite the fact that he's categorically came out and said that he wants to join Arsenal, we're still being linked with him? Well, apparently he's now beyond Everton's reaches, isn't he? And he's looking at Champions League clubs at Arsenal. So, if that's his attitude, let him go there. But the Arsenal one? If he doesn't want to play for Everton, I don't want to. Sonogo? Yeah, that is true, yeah. <laughs> um, another little bit of news away from transfers. Uh, there is an Everton delegation over in Thailand to... Uh, commemorate or celebrate the 10-year union uh, with our sponsors, Chang. They've sent the big guns, haven't they? They've so sent the, the world's, one of the world's creepiest men, Robert L. Stone, yeah. to represent the club. And then they've sent uh, somebody who, if he returned from injury, could score Everton a lot of goals. Graham Sharp. Graham Sharp, yeah. And they've also sent Coney with him. Yeah. I was wondering how to get a little uh, snipe in there. That was well done. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, so Kone's um, earning his wages, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Uh, now, you know, we gave Kone a bit of stick, but, you know, I'd like to see the lad get back fit. 
Uh, yeah, and they're out in Thailand at the moment doing the, the whole media and PR thing and, and looking to extend the deal possibly with Chang. I mean, what, what do you think on that? Do you think it's a good thing? or? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's, uh, and if they can carry on, if they do stuff like this, I've not noticed that they've done stuff like this over the past few years, so it might be a, like a new initiative to try and you know, uh, widen the, the, the deal. Well, they have been involved in some sort of like football icon show or something in the over in Thailand, like a pop idol type set up that was in conjunction with Chang. Did that ever happen? I remember there was talk of it. No, I don't think it ever happened. But anyway. Um, I can't see us getting sponsored by Pepsi or Apple anytime soon, can you? So, um, you know. I think if we got sponsored by Apple, we'd change our name to I Everton. I doubt it, because that's <laughs> stupid. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I think we'd just get called Everton 4S or something. <laughs> Um, we've got another few little snippets again. Uh, Conor McElhaney, five months ago, uh, was on loan at Yeovil, wasn't he? Was it Yeovil? No, wasn't it Brentford? Brentford, you are right, it was Brentford. Hey, that's, that's good memory, that for me. And suffered a horrendous injury, which uh, at the time it looked like the season was over. He came back to Everton, um, gutted, everyone was gutted for him because he was just starting to make... Uh, he scored for scored for Brentford, made good progress, uh, and you know he looks a, looked a bright prospect. Five months on, he's already uh, banging in goals for the under twenty ones again, and is already apparently um, figuratively knocking on the manager's door for a, a call up to the first team again. Do you know how that was possible? Uh, did somebody inject him with Brian Oviedo? Blood transfusion for Brian Oviedo, exactly. Uh, no, but made up for the lad. Uh, you know, scored twice this week, didn't he, for the under twenty ones against Stoke? Um, yeah, you know, and he, and and I think he scored a couple of weeks ago against Bolton as well. Yeah, I think Martinez has come out, hasn't he, and said, you know, he, he really likes the look of McElhaney at the moment. He thinks he could probably do with another loan, maybe back to a Championship side. Uh, but then the lads could easily push for the first team football next year. So if if he could possibly get a loan in the last in the last couple of months of the season, they can still loan the championship clubs can still loan. Clubs, I think they, they can do like emergency loans, can't they? I think I don't I don't know when the loan deadline is. If it has passed, I apologise because we are doing some of our lazy journalism here. But um, somebody, so who was it? That someone went out on loan. Didn't need to a championship side this week. So. But I think that was an emergency loan. Don't ask me about going on in general football terms. I was watching matches there the other day, and I'm going to sound ignorant of football here, but I've had a lot going on. But I thought, who the hell is Felix McGath? <laughs> Are you joking? No, I was going to, I was going to tweet it. I was going to tweet, tweet it out from our Everton page, but I thought it just make us look both of us look stupid, and not just me. I wouldn't have even missed that on the podcast. You know, you're doing a football podcast here, and you don't know who. One of the Premier League managers is who's well, managed top European clubs such as Bayern Munich. No, but in terms of, you know, with how he fits in, I thought, what the hell? I, you know, I, I I just missed it. I just missed. You it. knew that Rennie Mullenstein had been sacked. No, I missed it. I don't know how. I knew he was on the verge, but as I say, a lot going on. Bad bath. My head's been up my to be fair, to you, Fulham changed the manager every other week. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. He's a very strange looking bloke. Have you seen him? Well, in his little glasses? He looks know. like Mr. Majika or somebody. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so. Back to Conor McElhaney. Conor McElhaney, yeah. I, I hope 
uh, as much as we could do with them for the under twenty ones, it's you know it's not really that important, is it? I, I hope that he can get a little bit of a uh, fast track loan if it, if it's still at all possible towards the end of this season, and then come back for a full pre season at the Blues, and I think he he, he would be. Uh, poss- a good, a good addition because he's something different. It's always good to have a bit of a homegrown striker as well. I think, isn't it? You know, just on the like bench or whatever. Like, well, <laughs> he's not really homegrown, seeing as he's Greek, is he? That's, that's, that's a joke. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, what? As you say, if he can go out on loan and he can sort of maybe if he can follow in the footsteps of uh, Shane Duffy. Yeah, Duffy. Uh, Highest rated defender in, uh, in, in, in the lower divisions at the moment. Uh, well, highest rated defender on whatever, Opta Stats or whatever it is in the Championship. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got an average rate in the season of, I think it's 7.80. 7.80, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they want champ manager, he'd be doing well for you, wouldn't he? Yeah, you'd have that. Uh, so, you know, he's going from strength to strength. Uh, will he ever make it at Evan? There's still a question mark. I think he's a lot better than Yeovil for a, a, you know, a kick-off. I think next season, I think because of Stones coming through, um, I don't know whether we'll be able to keep hold of Stones and Duffy in the fact because we just won't be able to you know, give them both that progression. But I could definitely see Duffy playing for another Premier League team, I think, next season. No. Well, it, Maybe one of the promoted sides, or if not... A full season loan to a lower... Uh, to, what, to next a, season? Yeah, a full season loan to somebody who's coming up. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. I know what you're saying, but I think at some point you're out to the lad to let him go out and maybe, you know, make his career. We keep doing that. We keep doing that. And the likes of Chelsea... They're hanging on to players by lowering them out. Like their keeper, who's at Atletico Madrid. And, and Lukaku. You know, yes, yeah, no, I know what like, you're saying. We, we need to, you know, these players go on and be worldies. I, I'd like to see us keep hold of Duffy, I would. I just don't know whether, looking at it realistically, they will keep hold of Duffy and Stones. But, you know, a fair play to the lad. It looks like he's, you know, he's doing exceptionally well. Um, and long may it continue. The jump up. From, for centre-halves, if you've got a, a decent enough bit of pace and decent enough physique, you know, it's not as big, do you think? I think, as, I think it's... Cent- no, I, do you know what? I think it's centre-halves, it is, because the quality of players that you're playing against... I mean, you've you got to look like, you know, a, a championship centre-forwards. You're talking like Kevin Phillips still plays there and, you know, Kevin Davis. Uh, and you, you're comparing them to... You know, Aguero or Suarez. I've got two words. Clint Hill. Clint Hill was at what at Tramir for that many years, and he came up, and he was he was QPR's like cap- captain a lot of yeah, the time. He was a captain, but he wasn't very good. But he wasn't particularly bad either. He wasn't like like particularly poor. He probably did better than ten million sign and uh, Chris Samba, didn't he? No, I th- I think it's a massive. I think there's a massive golfing class there, um, but. You know, Duffy's young enough to be able to step up and then to be able to take that on board and to improve his game even more. So, yeah, you know, I'd like to see us keep him. I just don't think that we will. We've got two final uh, bits of news, and both uh, are Everton um, players who uh, are ahead of schedule when it comes to uh, making the return. First off, is a real like good uh, good bit of news is Oviedo. Uh, he, he stepped up his training again 
and he really does stand a good chance of making the World Cup now. And he's also favourite for the hundred favourite for the hundred metres in the next Olympics and to win the Grand National this year. Yeah, by enough man. Uh, and Traore must have had an injection of his blood as well because he looks like he's ahead of schedule. And we had a little talk about this before. The maths on this, it just doesn't work out for me. Because he said, he said I, I thought he was going to be back at the very, uh, the very end of April, and then uh, I don't know. I it's a load of rubbish. Now we mentioned. I think we briefly mentioned this before on a podcast that there's this rumor that Traore has this thing where he doesn't feel pain. Now, this is probably what's causing his injury and the fact that he goes into the backroom staff and says, listen, I don't, I'm, I'm fi- I feel fine, I feel fine. Do you bring him back, you know, a month early or two months early each time and then he just breaks down again straight away? There's no way with a lad with his history of injuries and reoccurrent, persistent injuries should be getting rushed back. It's not going to help him, is he? No. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would make sense for us to use him for as often as we, we could because he's going back to uh, Monaco, isn't he? Like, So if we can get like six or seven games out of him, in fact, there's only, well, we've only got like, we've got, got ten games left, so we can get yeah, maybe six games out of him, then it would make it'd be a worthwhile loan if we get two or three and he has no kind of say in anything. What's the point? I'm going to go on record now and say I will be amazingly surprised if he ever plays for us again. I still think he won't play for us again. OK. Uh, that's all I've got for news. Anything? That was else? enough, wasn't it? Yeah, quite a bit. Quite a bit of just us waffling there, wasn't it? There's quite a lot there. Um, so we're going to go over and have a look at the Facebook and Twitter pages, bring in a bit of our social media... Uh, and then we'll be back after that with our preview of the Swansea game. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Right, so social media section. Just want to have a little bit of a, a word about what, who's uh, someone who's becoming very co- rapidly a social media legend for Evertonians? A bit, a bit of a, a Twitter uh, cult hero, perhaps. Yeah, only because he uh, he doesn't know uh, <laughs> he doesn't seem to have a mute button. No, he doesn't. Uh, we all like someone who's outspoken, uh, and this week uh, Kevin Cheedy's been very outspoken. It, it, it was actually something that wasn't really surprising news to ourselves, was it? Because um, you know. Kevin Chidi's uh, name drop, uh, friend of our podcast, and we, we've had the, the fortune, fortunate chance to be in his uh, his company a number of times, uh, and we've spoke to him at length about his thoughts on David Moyes. Uh, you know, and it's, we've always found it very interesting the fact of, uh, let's say, his, uh, how disgruntled he was with Moyes at his time at the club, uh, and then. I think I don't know what she whether he was bevied or not the other night, but he just decided to uh, throw it out there and tell everyone what well, he thought. The time of it was I think it was uh, Sunday night or Saturday, Saturday or Sunday night, and it was like five past midnight. So he probably was bevied then. And it was, uh, and it was oh, hey hey you lot out there, 
uh, Moyes didn't give uh, young players a chance or didn't have any time for the young players. So something along the lines of that. And while it wasn't a great big surprise, it was a big surprise to see it on a national forum. As, as well, it did, and, and it, you know, it, it, it actually was then featured in national news articles the next day as well. You know, made the papers the next day. Um, you know, it's something we've known for a while. CD said that you know Moyes' attitude towards the youth players at this time there was that, that he just wasn't interested. He wouldn't come to youth games. He wouldn't watch youth training. You know, he just didn't seem to have the interest there. For instance, Martinez does. Yeah, so uh, I think somebody since has had a word and has said uh, you need to watch what you're saying on Twitter because he's took it down and um, he's, he's got to just like getting the fans going statuses now or uh, tweets now and the other one what, what was uh, go, stepping into Goodison is like going home. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like heaven with noise I think is how we put it. Yeah, uh, which is a nice little touch. Um, Sheeds, whoever's telling you that you've got to watch what you say, don't listen to them. No, that's what we want to see. Don't any, listen to any them. Any bit of controversy. Dish the dirt. Uh, and if you don't want to do it via Twitter, uh, next time we see you, tell us and we'll do it. Because <laughs> we always like a bit of controversy as well. Um, yeah, so unfortunately Sheeds hasn't commented on any of our Twitter questions this time. I haven't tweeted him. Well. He's, uh, he's still, uh, he's still uh, young enough in, in Twitter land. That he still replies to an awful lot of tweets, though. You did tweet him that racist picture of Seamus Coleman just as leprechaun now again. I'm not going to let you forget this one. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. you did, didn't you? Yeah. As well as Seamus Coleman. <laughs> and James McCarthy. And Lee Carson. And Aidan McGee. And Lee Carson. And anyone else who's Irish you could think of. Oh, I Teddy to... Wogan. Uh... Andy Lennigan. <laughs> Paul oh, McGrath. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Yeah, anyway. Johnny's knowledge of Irish culture, leprechauns. Because. That's it. <laughs> no, don't superimpose Everton players' heads on the cause, buddy. That'll just be weird. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, we put a couple of questions out on uh, on our Facebook page this week. You've just heard a link just before we started waffling about Kevin Sheedy. So, feel free to get involved in future. Uh, the first one was, do you think... McGeady did enough to get a start this weekend, and if so, who for? Morales, Delafeo, Osman, and play all three wingers, so to speak. Before we read what other people have sent in, let's do our opinions. I think very much so. I think he deserves to start against Swansea. Who for? Delafeo or Morales? Either or. Either. Yeah, I, I think. Just stick him out on the right wing and play. Decide whoever you're going to play on the left. I, I I disagree with you about the uh, the Morales uh, doing more than Delafeo before. So I think coming for uh, Morales. Right, okay. Um, Sean Peter James German on the Facebook said, we need someone with a bit of rhythm to start. I thought we were a tad flat down the left at times last Saturday. So someone with a bit of rhythm. So, you know, maybe Keith Moon. Yeah. Uh, Mick Jagger, he's got a bit of rhythm, hasn't he, about him? A few yeah. dance moves. Um, I don't know, I don't really get this whole rhythm thing. Has Aidan McGeady got rhythm? Don't know. Not seen enough of him. Strange. Anyway, there you go. That's Sean's point of view, anyway. Uh, Chris and Amy P.O., I would play Mr. Osman. 
Uh, he was poor at the weekend. I'm not knocking him before anyone starts. That's just my opinion. He's a great servant for the club, just like Hibbert. But I feel it's time to start other players ahead of him. Do you think we could play Morales, Delafeu, and McGee? Are you playing the middle, Morales? I think Morales behind Lukaku, yeah. That's, what, that, that's if we did play all three of them. That's, that's the only role I can Might see. work to tackle, like, isn't it? You, know, you, you never know. Um, that if, you know, if you've got Delafeu on the right, I don't know whether I like that Morales on the left position because he keeps trying that cutting move. Trying, and then he can't get a shot away, so he keeps going. He just keeps going. Uh, Michael Hawthorne, I feel Naismith deserves a start in behind Lukaku instead of Osman. Would start playing McGeady over Delafeu. After all, he is our player who we will rely on in the end, and that's a very good point, isn't it? Yeah. You know, chances are, or you know, fifty-fifty possibility Delafeu isn't going to be with us next season, uh, and a hundred percent possibility in reality that McGeady is. So we need to start giving the lads some game time. Uh, I'm not sure about that Naismith point though. Uh, is it going back to the Moyes kind of? Uh, I think we we both said over the last couple of games we feel very harsh on Naismith losing his place. Losing his place, yeah, up top. To just play him in behind Lukaku now. Are you playing him out of position again? Can't do any worse than Osman did at the weekend. Anyway. Uh, Stuart Tag simply McGeady in for Jerry, so he agrees with you. Yeah, uh, Steamer. I think he's been saved on purpose for these three games. If you notice lately with Martinez substitutions, they are not only tactical, but they are also to ensure our attacking players are well rested and recovered to enable flexibility in busy periods, such as the one coming up. That is a very intelligent comment. Probably so, far too intelligent too for this intelligent podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Steamer, pack it in. Stop making us look bad. We're genuinely... Good comment. You're making us look stupid, son. Uh, James Fogg, uh, the point that I just made, he says, uh, McGeady right, Jerry left, Morales off Lukaku. Carl Edwards, I think McGeady completely changed the game when he came on. Would Defoe start him? His directness was a breath of fresh air. I'd start him instead of Barry. You don't need two holding players against the likes of Swansea at home. Controversial, that for me. I think Barry and McCarthy are the, the heart of our We team. talked a little bit about chat, like chat manager before. That seems a little bit like the chat manager kind of play, doesn't it? Where you just have one hole in the midfielder and you put four across. And you go all out. And you have one up top. Or you have just, you put them left forward, right forward. and. Not only do I don't think it's a good idea, I'd stake my mortgage and my life on it that Martinez wouldn't do that. Because it would just disrupt the balance of the team. Uh, Matty Vickery personally I think McGee's would be our number one left wing next season as I can't see Jerry coming back you know it makes sense so for now I'd have Jerry left wing but uh, McGee second in line and Pienaar third as his form has been poor and slows everything down so he thinks we should, we should stick with Jerry uh, last one on this uh, I don't know if this is a brother or something Jack Vickery Morales is almost a certain pick and he knows that He's a cracking player and his arrogance plays in our favour a lot. He'll dribble up to the best defenders in the world with a come on, let's see what you've got attitude, which is great. It does, however, have a negative effect on him at times. He gets a little carried away and his teamwork and decision making goes out the window. We need to throw someone hungry in there. Maybe McGeady, maybe someone even further down the pecking order. Someone with a massive statement to make. Again, very intelligent post there, making us look stupid. I, I, I think that's 
going down the pecking order, I don't think we need, need to. I think McGeady is that player who could come in and possibly do it. And we haven't seen enough of him to say that um, whether he's good or not. But he's got something to prove, hasn't he? Because there's a lot of people thinking that he's a bit jarred. Yeah, I mean, we've talked for a long time now on this podcast about we've got six attacking players to squeeze into those three attacking midfield positions. Um, if you go any further down the pecking order than that, you're talking my guy gay or you know even one of the young lads like Matthew Kennedy I don't think that's the answer going in for the running at the end of the season I don't think my guy gay is the answer to anything other than you know who should be picking the balls up after training you know maybe he's the answer to that question uh, and I don't think the likes of Kennedy's probably ready yet to step into the Premier League so uh, I don't agree with him that much but I do like his point of it you know about Morales sometimes maybe Resting on us laurels because he thinks he's an instant pick. Uh, we've got another possibly controversial one here. George Bain. Start with McGeady. Barry looks tired and needs a rest. He is a liability at times with late tackles and gave away a penalty. A I, I don't think I've ever seen him as a liability. No, I mean it was it was a it was a poor challenge for that penalty against Arsenal, but I think he bounced back great. On, um, and you know if you think about who's the furthest player forward. When we got the equaliser, uh, sorry, the, the winner on Saturday, it was Barry because he was the one knocking the ball back from the byline. I think some people just expect too much. When you look at the amount of work that Barry and McCarthy get through in central midfield, you look at how much they're all over the pitch, you look at the amount of tackles they put in, uh, they're bound to have the odd one missed time tackle, aren't they? Or, you know, have the one, the one time in the game where maybe they can't get back because they're knackered. Um, I think the pair have been awesome for us all season I think that's very harsh yeah uh, so McGeady instead of Ozzy he's decent come off the bench last 20 minutes but McGeady needs to get a rhythm that win again going from the start I can understand it a little bit now to get a rhythm going as a winger get a feel for it and I think I, I, I mentioned last week um, that Delafeo coming on for ten minutes. He needs to find his feet in the game, and then, and then you know assess it and get into it, and then start taking players on. I think maybe that that's what they mean. They need to find their rhythm, and you know, do you reckon? Mm, that, wrong choice of words, maybe. Yeah, I just don't really understand the, the the phrasing, you know. But I understand what you're saying. He needs time to adapt to the game. Yeah, I love that. One last one, uh, Stephen Charles Joseph. Three comments ago, I said that was the last one. Did you? Well, come on. Let's... I, I, it's near that. It's, uh, it's time to give him 90 minutes. Looks sharp against Cardiff and looks a lot fitter than when he first arrived. Uh, losing that bit of weight he was carrying. Yeah, I, He's I, definitely I, slimmed down. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely slimmed down. I think he's probably switched to uh, uh, medium meals in McDonald's rather than large <laughs> meals. Okay, so another question. You can move on now. Yeah, the second question that we put out there this week was, uh, if Big Dunk was 10 years or so younger, would he add a lot to our team or would this passing game pass him by? Uh, he had a lot of skill and was by no means slow either. So this is more of a, you know, a fantasy football type question, isn't it? Would Duncan add to us now? I thought this would have a little bit more um, like polarising opinions, really, because a lot of people seem to think uh, Dunk... Um, he, he, he did 
grateful as when we were a struggling, struggling team. Um, so that's that's what I thought. You know, if we could have a little bit of discussion about that, if he was actually in a good quality team with you know a bit of flair, good bit of wing play, then. You know, I mean, there was, there was times Dunk had that as well with Kinchelskis and Limpard in there, wasn't it? I think, you know, you're underestimating some of the players you played with. You had Kinchelskis, Limpard, he had balls getting whipped in from the likes of Hinchcliffe. You know, he, Hinchcliffe could cross a ball, couldn't he? Let's not forget that. Um, so, There's a lot of set play, set, set piece play, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that the, the, the general team now is a million miles better than probably what Duncan had behind him. But you, could you imagine, uh, first of all, Baines would have to beat the first man with a cross, but crosses from both sides, from either Baines or Delafeo or Morales or you know, Coleman or whoever, um, Duncan being in the box, and also Duncan's control and his, uh, his hold-up play. Well, here's a question for you. Was Duncan, in his prime, a better player than Lukaku is now. Yeah. An actual better player. In his prime, yeah. I think he was. Interesting. Than, than, than what Lukaku's showing us at the moment. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I do think he's a better... Act- p- he, was, he was all action. So, you know. If you, you take out the whole nostalgia feel of it and you think back, genuinely think back and try to, you know, get them Duncan tinted glasses off, do you think if both of them were, were there now, who would you think would be the first choice centre forward? I don't know. That's a tricky one. It, it, it is easy to look back and think, oh, he's, but he, he did some like you know when he was on his game, he just he controlled games, and I don't think Lukaku's done that just yet. Right, he's okay. Goals in a row, you know, important goals and games. But he, you know, in a better team, he went what, what ten games without a goal without any kind of. Uh, input in the game at all? In answer to the question that was put, I think you'd have Duncan there in a shot because we're very light for strikers. Um, I think it would be a step back to have him as your first choice striker, however. I think he'd add, add so much. Um, but going to the Facebook again, uh, Andrew Griffith says he will be banging them in for fun. Yeah. Uh, Andy Buchanan, yeah, he was one player I would say played with 110% passion when he pulled that blue shirt on. Big dunk would show Lukaku how to use their muscles against defenders. Uh, David Boyd, passing game would have suited him better. It was too easy to find a long ball knowing he would win it, but he was probably uh, hit too early, leaving him too far away from goal. Imagine him challenging in a box instead of 35 yards from goal. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Tomo, I think he would have the firepower and grit that we're missing at the moment. Scooby Lynch, uh, love to see Duncan up front uh, with Coleman and Baines crossing the ball into the box. This is the interesting, David Carroll. He would still put a shift in, big dunk. I think he actually means now. What, actually age, play him? At the age of, what is he? Is he 41? Probably, yes, I know. He wasn't fit when he was 26, so, let alone 41. So, yeah, so, he's, uh, so his game wouldn't change that much. Michael Jones, bit harsh this. I'd rather he play now ahead of Naismith. I thought we'd turn the corner on that old Naismith Hayton. I would still rather that, though, to be honest. See, this is where the country, you know, I thought he, uh, we've got a couple of quite negative uh, comments now. I don't know why everyone goes on about Dunk. This is Michael Lloyd. 
Kevin Campbell done a lot more when playing for Everton than Dunk ever did. I'm not having that. No. In one season, Kevin, Kevin Campbell scored those nine goals, which practically guaranteed our safety. But he didn't do much more than that, though, no. to be fair Once to him. Once he got his full-time contract, he didn't do... Yeah, he didn't do much more. Don't get me wrong, I like Kevin Campbell. I like and I like him as a fella, and I've met him at dinners, and, he, and he's sound. Uh, but and he loves it. He doesn't. He does, and he, yeah, he does honestly have a genuine love for Everton. You know, he's an Arsenal lad at heart, but he does have a genuine love for Everton as well. And uh, but he, he's not in the same league as Duncan Ferguson. He, Duncan Ferguson came out and said he's he's his favourite strike part, partner, though, wasn't he? I think he did actually. Yeah. Yeah. So out of all, out uh, I think out of the Everton possible Everton possibilities, wasn't it? So there was like a few like ride out and uh, the legend that is uh, Stuart Barlow. Uh, Mr. <laughs> just let that one. I'm just, I'm just continuing on from that. Mr. Glass Half Empty, who gets a mention every single time, just because of his dourness. Stuart Tag, he would be injured. Yeah. But to be fair to Taggy, he probably would. Yeah. One, uh, Tony Gearing. It's like a point that I was trying to make uh, with the saying he had some skill. He was just as good on the deck. Scored some cracking goals with his left peg. And I do remember a few, a few screamers he scored. Uh, Dave Bennett, he would have improved us no end. With a manager who wasn't long ball, he would have played with his back to goal and the long ball t- to his head was back up. He was better on the floor than he was in the air. Um, I think he was equally as good uh, in the air uh, uh, as, on, as on the floor as well. Um, they're just a bit harsh as well, Michael Boyke, if fit. There's two comments here. If fit, never there when we needed him. I don't agree with that. Injured or suspended or in prison. <laughs> Ten red cards, I think. I reckon all violent con- conduct, therefore, he missed nearly a season of his career by being suspended. People forget, though, that some of them red cards were class. <laughs> they were very good memories. And sometimes a red card can be a good red card. Well, yeah. We did have um, we we did put a few other questions out on Facebook this week, like which we're not going to go into like whole comments, but was uh, what I touched on before. Look, Seamus Coleman, I think the universal uh, universal kind of agreement was that we would rather um, our players run away celebrating as if they just scored, scored a World Cup winner rather than dancing like a tit. I mean, yeah. if there was a cross between the two and Seamus Coleman ran towards the corner flag, did a somersault. And then carried on running like no not. We'd have that, wouldn't we? But just running over to the opposition fans and looking like a smug git. Nah, we don't want any of that. Any of that at Everton. From Facebook this week, I've also found out that a lot of people don't like comparisons between James McCarthy and zombies. If you want to know what that's all about, go and have a look on the Facebook page. Yeah, um, I think you must have just got through watching this week's episode of uh, Walking Dead. Oh, don't test. get me started on that. Psychotic. And, um, and then thought, oh yeah, <laughs> and it went down like a lead balloon. Well, 30 people liked it and 6 people said that's the gayest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. You figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyway, social media, thanks for everyone's input again. Like I say every week, if anyone wants to record uh, voice clips on, on, on um, any of the thoughts or any of the questions, then feel free to send us uh, via email at notbitterjustbetteroutlook.com. One day before the end of the season, hopefully we will find a question that Stuart Tag can be positive about. That's our, that's, our, that's our plan. I think he was positive about something. I can't remember what it was, though. Are you sure? I thought we would have been hell freeze over or something. Anyway, that's enough about that. 
Um, we'll be back after uh, a little clip and we'll be back with our preview of the Swansea game. I'm Kevin Cheedy and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. Right, it's our match preview time again, and a look ahead to the visit of Swansea City uh, this Saturday coming up. Three o'clock kickoff again. Two weeks in a row. Two really... weeks. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks playing against teams from Wales. Yeah. Welcome to our YouTube listeners. Hello, YouTube. Um, and it's the return fixture to uh, the twenty second of December visit down to the Liberty Stadium and an Everton two one victory. And it's the third time we'll have faced Swansea this season. Uh, correct, it is. Um, quite a memorable game, wasn't it? The first uh, league fixture down at the Liberty. Um, memorable, probably most for one of our goals of the season, I think you would I say. I think you'd say two of our goals of the season, I think. Yeah, you're probably right there, yeah. Um, I think it was a pretty dour game, and we, we talked about this uh, quite recently when we did the FA Cup preview. Uh, quite a dour game. Uh, which was just uh, kind of made memorable by, by two, uh, two moments of brilliance by two of our uh, young talents. Yeah, uh, especially the, the late winner from Ross Barkley with a free kick that rattled in, off, loopy, rattled in off the bar. And it was one of them where it hit the bar and loads of water flew off the bar, didn't it? And it just made it look even more dramatic. And, um, you know, great goal. And another, another late winner for Everton, which uh, we're becoming quite famous for, aren't we, at the moment? Yeah, um, so it, it was. We've scored, we've scored more goals than in the last ten minutes than any other team in the Premiership. Yeah, uh, it was it's a, a nice little stat to have. That really isn't it. Yeah, because we used to be on the end of those goals. We used to be terrible for that, didn't we? You know, conceding to the likes of United or Villa or Liverpool or whoever else. So Seamus Coleman put us up with a screamer in the 66 minute. Put us one 0 up, um, and then they equalised through a very, very unfortunate Brian Oviedo own goal. Uh, which kind of bounced in off his knee and sent Howard the wrong way. Yeah. And then um, upstep Ross when uh, we didn't even know we could take a free kick and he uh, he managed to bend it in. What a great finish. He soon surprised us, didn't he? I mean, obviously, you know, since then, Swansea have had a very disappointing season, really, haven't they? When you look at it, they, you know, what are they now? 29 games in uh, and they've only won seven games all season, which is you know, less than Crystal Palace. You know, from where they were last season when Mitchu was banging them in and Michael Laudrup was the next manager of, you know, Barcelona or, or Real Madrid, um, it's been a it's it's been a very different season, hasn't it, this year? Um, I, I think again we talked about this a little bit in the FA Cup preview. I think they are uh, perhaps victims of having a, su- a successful season uh, and being in the UEFA Cup because it, they had quite a good run in it. Uh, only recently going out, and uh, the form hasn't been great in the league. And you know they went out to us in the cup, and maybe they had all their eggs in the UEFA basket. Maybe do you think? Again, we've talked about this in Lind. It's not something I subscribe to. You choose what team you want to play in that competition. If you want to play your kids, you can play your kids. It's one of them, isn't it? At the end of the day, the league form just hasn't been good enough. 
Uh, they're currently sitting in 14th, which doesn't sound, you know, ominously dangerous. However, they've only got 29 points. And Fulham are bottom of the league on 24 points. So that's less than a two-game swing, really, for, for Swansea to be, you know, rock bottom of the league. Um, they're coming off the back, where, you know, whereas Everton had a, a late morale-boosting win last week against Cardiff. Um, you know, Swansea had the exact opposite. Uh, basically throwing three points away, you would say, and losing 2-1 at home to, to West Brom, who were fellow strugglers. Yeah, it was a funny one, that one, isn't it? Uh, West Brom just haven't been starting in, 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 in the first half, and it, it, they just don't do well at all. So Swansea were 1-0 up at half-time, and then a bit of a turnaround, and West Brom took all three points, and a big three points for them. So, Swansea yeah. are going to be wanting to react, aren't they? Swansea scored quite early, and, and funnily enough, I don't know if you know this, but the goal scorer for Swansea in the second minute was former Kajagugu singer Lamar. Was it? Yeah. Nice one. Um, and then, you know, leading from the second minute, fairly comfortable for Swansea, uh, and then conceded two goals in the second half to Sessegnon and, and Malumbu. Uh, you, you'd have a look at the team line-up that, that Swansea put out last week, and you suppose it would be somewhere similar to that um, you know and they, on paper you know they've got some decent players we keep on talking about this it's the third time that they've cropped up on this podcast uh, you know Vorman goal highly rated your favourite at right back Ashley Williams centre half highly rated my favourite Angel Rangel <laughs> at right back you know highly rated and then you know even there's a lot of Experience in the midfield, the Guzman we've talked about before on the podcast, uh, Canas who scored past us in the cup, uh, you know, Leon Britton and uh, and Wayne Routledge who, who's played now in the Premier League for a number of clubs, and then Bonnie who up front who, who everyone seems to rate as a good striker and has even been linked with possibly a move to to Everton if we fail in our bids to get Lukaku. Um, but then you look on that, you look at that team from another perspective and you think how they've played this season and there's nothing really there to be worried about no it's not like again we you know last season the real danger man was Michu I think he kept uh, it's a very different kind of lineup now isn't it and um, I think Bonnie scored a decent you know he's in double figures isn't he for the season but he's, I think uh, in all competitions but I think probably five or six of them are probably coming in the yearly rounds of the Europa League yeah definitely a decent forward nobody's had the same kind of impact as Michu. Well, that's that's right. And I mean, you look at that, that team that started for Swansea last week, and you know, I always say this, how many of those players would get into our team currently? I think the only one who's got any chances probably Ashley Williams ahead of maybe Stones, just on experience. Just on experience, yeah. He's a, he's a decent player, Ashley Williams, yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I'd Vaughan, say... Vaughan, we've discussed before, as being a decent shot-stopper. Yeah, but you wouldn't put him in over Howard. No, just um, Lamar possibly to maybe sing too shy at half time is a bit of entertainment for the, the Gladys Street. Our younger listeners won't have absolute everyone have a Scooby Doo what you're on alone. <laughs> in fact, Scooby Doo a clue. How <laughs> Scooby Doo what Scooby Doo is? Our younger listeners. Probably, yeah. Um, so you know, you look at that and again you you think the way Everton played last week. I think probably a performance as good as the one against Cardiff, even though it wasn't a great performance, would probably be enough to take three points from the game. Would you agree, or do you think we need to do more? 
I think we need to do a little bit more. Uh, I'd sh- like to see a little bit more. I'd like to see a lot more. When our way. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and if he, you know, on another day with a different ref, they might not have gone our way. So we need to make sure uh, we, we get off to a good start. And I said this last week. You know, we said about the poor atmosphere. It is. Everyone is just so tense, and we don't start singing until, I think last, until we're winning. I think last week was the worst out of the lot this season. Well, it's just our, it's just our season. You know, you, you think about our home games. It's we've come off the back of a, a demoralising derby defeat, and then uh, a couple of like poor away de- uh, defeats when we th- we were in a really good position, and then the Arsenal game last week, uh, and. It's just everybody's. It's a bit demoralising, and you can sense it. So, so are we resigned to the fact now that the only time we're going to have an atmosphere this season now is Man United at home? Possibly. I think yeah. it's looking that way, isn't it? You know, we got that uh, the rearranged Palace game midweek under the lights of Goodison uh, in the middle of April, and you know, a midweek game that might bring a bit of atmosphere back. I I just think it's because everybody's so tense. Like I said last week, if we get off to a good early start. With some decent play, uh, some decent fiery challenges, maybe because ch- challenges can be as good as a, you know, a goal for getting the crowd going. I think an early goal would help us. Yeah, because you know when was the last time we, uh, you know, we, we got like a really really early goal. So, and uh, and went on to you know to really control the game and not looking at any danger and without, without you know thinking we're going to throw it all away. Exactly. I mean, uh, you know. My man to watch the game at the weekend is, you know, if if they're going to score, if they're going to pose any threat, it is going to be Boney, isn't he? We've already mentioned him. As, you know, he's a big lad. He's sort of Lukaku-esque, would you say? I don't think he's as, as quite as mobile. Possibly not. Same big statue, though, statue yeah. could cause, you know, defenders problems, could maybe... Uses his weight and his strength advantage against stones, maybe in a in a one on one. I think he's, you know, going to be the biggest risk to Everton. Uh, but prediction wise, again, you know, I seem to be saying this every week. I can't see anything but an Everton win, um, and I've got a feeling we might actually. I don't really ever like to predict that we're going to hammer someone I've just got a feeling this week we might do and I think possibly it could be you know at least three goals 3-0 maybe I'm hoping so it, at that times it looks like things are going to click again it looks like the fullbacks are, uh, like are coming back into it uh, you know we play with wingers if it clicks it can be great again and if it you know it, we're, we're not far away from having that you know having that happen are we you know we've got uh, Lukaku uh, back to full fitness uh, we'll have Morales who's always eager to get on the score sheet they've all got something to prove now you know as you said before we've got six of those attacking players in th- in trying to get into three spots six who have all got a worthy claim and at some point they've got to start like uh, making, the, making their actual claim for it in this run in you know, and, and you know, ten games to go, we could really consolidate that fifth position over the next four or five games because we, there's a, t- a tough few games after that. Yeah, we could. I mean, on the injury front, as we've said, uh, Pinar's doubtful still. I think, I think he's still suffering from his, his thigh strain. Uh, Jagielka, I think there's some chance he may be back. Um, 
that's probably going to be a fitness test on the day, I would have thought. Uh, all the long-term absentees, I'm not expecting any of them back. Uh, so we'll be missing Gibson, Traore, Kone, uh, you know, quite a, uh, but no real difference there. So, um, as we've mentioned already, I think it's time to give McGeady a start. Maybe drop down, Delafayu back to the bench. Uh, and maybe... And, I would now play Barkley until the end of the season, you know, behind Lukaku, uh, give the lads a run again. You know, it's about time he gets a start again. Uh, that was, So that would be my team, really. McGeady, Manalas, Barkley uh, and Lukaku up front with the, the, all the regulars behind him. What would worry me about the thing is he scored at the weekend. Maybe his impact wasn't great overall, but he scored and he's dropping out. I, don't, I never like to see that. I think it's players are unfortunate. He scored a semi-fortunate goal on the back of a, bad, a, a back of a poor performance. I know what you're saying. Um, you know, in all honesty, I could take or leave Delafeu or Morales, whichever one you want to drop down to give McGeady the start. That's fine by me. Uh, you know, and then obviously bring one of them off the bench to replace whoever's not playing well. Um, so yeah, I can't see anything except for an Everton win. Um, and hopefully a little bit of a pick up in the atmosphere. But that will be down to the team. It will be down to the team. Um, we've got another Everton function, haven't we, as well this weekend? Yeah. Which I'm a little bit gutted about because I won't be able to go. Well, you're playing the granddad card with your bad back. Um, but uh, Bob Latchford's in town uh, and we're hosting a dinner with him on Friday night at Players Lounge on County Road. Um, I think it's pretty much sold out now. There may be one or two specs for anyone who's listening to this on Thursday and fancies it. Uh, if you do, uh, just inbox us on Facebook uh, and if we've got any specs left, we'll, we'll get you on board. Uh, Bob Latchford's going to be there talking us through his, uh, his goal-scoring exploits for the Blues uh, and signing some books and you know whatever else you want signed from him, you can get your, your buttocks signed, possibly. <laughs> I don't think he'd do that. Unless you're I don't know, you know, he might do. A nice young female, he might do it for you. He's a, if he's a nice young female, I might do it for them as well. Um, so, yeah, if you, we'll hopefully maybe have a little bit of recording from Bob to play on next week's uh, podcast. Uh, and hopefully a good night will be had by all. Get us in the spirit for the game on Saturday. Uh, and it'll be three points at Goodison Park. Yeah, so this week we, the podcast really had a little bit more of a positive tone overall with the uh, with the three points at the weekend. Let's hope next week we're both we're both like really really uh, happy again, and hopefully we can smash Swansea out of sight. And let's hope next week uh, Johnny's backs back to normal, uh, so we don't have to put up with a sick voice through the podcast. Because if anyone's noticed, he's been putting a sick voice on today. I've got sore throats as well. I just don't want to oh. the, the, the world's uh, the world's sickest person. You like Darren Anderton, you sick note. Yeah. Anyway, thanks thanks everyone for listening. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and now YouTube. Uh, catch you all next week. I've done my usual. I've just remembered something I completely forgot to say in my Swansea preview. Go on. Little known fact for you is my final fact of the day. Uh, Swansea have never beaten Everton in a competitive game, apparently. Oh, you just jinxed us now. In their history. No, I'm going to put it out there. I think we played... It's actually quite a low number of times we've played, which is, I think it's 18 times 
Uh, and Everton have won 13 competitive matches in 3 5. So there you go. Okay, well, that's a long way to continue. We'll see you next week.